I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 here in just a minute we will jump in beginning at verse 20. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and the grandmothers that are there. I've preached a lot of different Mother's Day sermons over the years, and today's a little bit different. Uh, I, when you look through Scripture, there are a lot of interesting statements, a lot of interesting requests, a lot of interesting prayers that mothers make, and maybe the most well-known mother's prayer in uh, Scripture might well be the prayer of, Sa uh, of Hannah in 1 Samuel when Hannah prayed when she was childless, that if the Lord would only grant her a child, that she would dedicate that child to, uh, to him. But that's not going to be our message uh, today. In our, in our text today, we find a very unexpected prayer, prayed by a mother who wanted something for her sons that ultimately went against God's will for them. And when we look at this prayer, we will have to say it's an ill-advised prayer but if I'm honest, and I've thought about this all week, if I'm honest, her prayer resembles my prayers more often than I would like to admit. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at our text. And before we read our text, let me set some context. Because text without context is just pretext. So we need to know what is going on in the, in the context of this passage. In verses 1 through 16 of Matthew 20, Jesus gives that well-known parable of the laborers where he calls laborers at three different times of the day, one early in the morning, one about noon, one right before quitting time, and then he pays all three groups the same amount of money. And that raised a little bit of a ruckus with some of the folks that had worked all day. And then in verse 16, he ends that by talking about the last shall be first, and then the first shall be last. And we're familiar with that verse. But then in verse, verses 17 to 19, Jesus foretells about his death. This is his third prophecy that he gives his disciples about his death and his, the imminence of his death. And so with that backdrop, the mother of James and John makes an unexpected request or prayer. Let's read here, beginning at verse 20 of Matthew 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. He said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard this, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. 
But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, this woman, when we look at it, the mother of James and John, we don't know her name, uh, but she did a lot of things right. She knew the person of prayer. She knew if she had a request, especially in a, a request uh, of this nature, she knew to go ask Jesus. When, when she had a prayer, she went to Jesus. Isn't that something we ought to know? It's something we ought to understand when we have a request, when we have a prayer. Take it to the Lord. We sing that song, take it to the Lord in prayer when we have trouble. She knew the posture of prayer. Notice it said that she knelt, that she worshipped. Uh, this is why I say this is a prayer. It's a request. Uh, and the posture of prayer isn't necessarily what important. We can pray standing up. We can pray sitting down. We can pray driving the car. We can pray doing lots of different things. But when we pray, we need to pray realizing who we are and who we're praying to. Amen? Amen? We are human. God is God. And so when this woman comes to Jesus, she gets on her knees, she kneels, she brings her sons to them. She also knew the power of prayer. She had seen the miracles of Jesus. She's walked with Jesus uh, closely. Her sons had been even closer with Jesus. So she knew exactly who Jesus was. She knew that she needed to go to him if she had a request. However, she asked Christ to fulfill her desires for her son's future. She wanted her sons to share Jesus' status without sharing his service, didn't she? She wanted her son, she said, we know we want, I want one boy over here on your right, and I want one boy over here on your left, and and it doesn't matter which one. I just want them in the chief seats. I want them in the best place. When people see you, I want them to see my boys. So she wants to be like a lot of mothers and a lot of grandmothers and fathers and grandfathers. That's my boy. That's my son. See the king up there? My sons are right there with him. She wanted status for her boys, but... She didn't care whether they went through the service that Jesus performed and did service. She recognized Jesus as king, but you know, she didn't understand what kind of king Jesus was. You think folks did that a lot when Jesus was living in the first century? I think even his apostles knew he was king. They understood that, but they thought that at any minute Jesus was going to call down legions of angels and overthrow Rome and set up an earthly kingdom right then and there. That's not why Jesus came the first time. Jesus came the first time as a suffering servant, amen? amen. Jesus came to serve. Jesus did not come to be king yet. 
Now, at some point, he's going to be. But the mother of James and John fully misunderstood. She wanted, she thought Jesus was getting ready to rule right now, and she wanted make, to make sure her boys are top of the line in the kingdom. Because she was a Jew, and when you go back over Jewish history, those that aren't super close to the king had, that's a pretty quick way to die. Uh, if you notice, every time we, we, in the Old Testament, when the kings would change, quite often whoever ascended the throne would assassinate everybody else close to him to be sure that he remained uh, the king. So uh, she wanted his status, but or she wanted her sons to share Jesus' status without sharing his service. She wanted her sons to share Jesus' honor without suffering his humiliation. She wanted her sons to have a crown, but she didn't want her sons to have a cross. She wanted her sons to share Jesus' reign without his rejection. Do you get the common theme of this prayer and request? I want my boys to have status. I want my boys to have this or that. And do you notice that it wasn't the boys that asked for this? The mother asked for this for her sons. And and this is not really in this message, but I'm just going to bring this out today to our mothers and our grandmothers, as well as fathers and, and grandfathers. Y'all can listen to this morning because we probably need this lesson as well. Uh, quite a few mothers and grandmothers, fathers and grandfathers, live out their desires through their children. Uh, things that they weren't able to do themselves, so they, they sign their kids up for everything there is to sign up and do everything there is to do. I've got a nephew that spent uh, years playing travel hockey because he was convinced, or his daddy was convinced rather, that he was going to be a hockey player for the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, he, he had a little bit of talent, but when you talk to Kenny, Kenny says, I despise this. I hate doing this, but I know it's what my dad wants me to do. And she, he, he lived out his desires through his children. Can I just make a comment, and you can take it for whatever it's worth, it's just an old 58-year-old preacher making a comment. This isn't God, this is Andy, okay? Uh, help your kids find their dreams and help them work through their dreams. Uh, don't, don't insist that your dreams and desires be what they do. Amen? Uh, let just... Be supportive, be there, but let them live their own lives. It's interesting that she makes this request, the boys didn't. But anyway, she wants the glory for her sons, but she doesn't want the glory. She wants a castle, but she doesn't want the broom closet. We could go on with this all day long with the comparison. We get the idea. Compare her request to the Mount of Temptation in Matthew 4. Do you remember when Satan took Jesus up on the high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, uh, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this. You can be king. You can have the domain without your destiny. You can be king and you won't have to go through the cross. 
Jesus said no, right? He understood why he was there. He understood the purpose. Have you ever stopped to think that James and John's mother was willing to say yes for her sons to the same temptation Jesus said no? That's exactly what she's asking. She's asking that they get the status and the honor and the reign and, and all the prestige that goes with sitting on the right hand of Jesus and the left hand of Jesus without going through everything that Jesus went through. But before we are too hard on the mother of James and John, do we realize that when, we're in, when we are in our fleshly moments, that far too often we want to use Jesus without really wanting to follow Jesus? We want to give Jesus our laundry list in exchange for our loyalty. Jesus, if, if you'll do this for me, Jesus, if you'll give me this, Jesus, if you'll treat me this way, Jesus, if you'll give me that job, if you'll give me that woman, if you'll give me that man, if you give me that car, if you give me that house, if you give me that promotion, if you give me this, if you give me that, then I'll follow you, then I'll worship you, then I'll serve you. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, that if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to learn to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. I won't get real just for a second. We don't fully, quite often, we don't fully grasp what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Here's what somebody says. I got a sore toe I have to deal with the rest of my life. I guess that's just a cross I have to bear. Or I've got a bad temper or whatever. I guess that's just a cross I'll have to bear. We need to understand something, y'all. The cross was used for one purpose. Execution. That's the only reason anybody had it. What Jesus is saying is, you have to deny yourself. And not only deny yourself, you have to die to yourself before you can follow me. Oh, and it's not just a one-time thing. Jesus says, take up your cross daily. That scripture is Luke 9.23. I'm not making it up. It's not something Brother Andy threw in there. It's there. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Y'all, if we're going to reign with Jesus, and scripture does teach us that Christians will reign with him, if we're going to reign with Jesus, we're going to have to share in his suffering. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 12. Let's go back to verse 11 for context. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Some other translations say if we suffer, or if we endure suffering, we shall also reign with him. If we're going to reign with Jesus, we're going to have to learn to suffer. 
if our life is without challenges, maybe we aren't following Jesus as closely as we should be. I want to remind you of a couple of scriptures. In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, this is in Matthew 5, Blessed are you when men persecute you. He doesn't say if men persecute you. He says when men persecute you. Another scripture tells us, Jesus tells his apostles, the world hates me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If our life is without challenge, maybe we're not living close enough to the Lord for Satan to even think we're a big deal, a big threat. If we're going to reign with Christ, we've got to learn that part of reigning with Christ is suffering. Part of reigning with Christ is standing up for what's right. Part of reigning with Christ is standing up and being counted. If we're going to reign with Christ, I've got to share his suffering. If I'm going to reign with Christ, if you're going to reign with Christ, we have to learn to serve others. We have to learn it's not about ourselves. Uh, people ask me, and I know what they mean when they ask me, but they'll say, how's your church doing? And I, if I know them well, I remind them it's not my church. I, I know that, that they're, they're asking how things going down at the church, and I know that and they don't mean any harm by it. But y'all, it's, it's not my church. It's not my ministry. It's not my anything. The only thing that I have is a role to fill. But it's God's church. We're about building his kingdom. And the way he, we build kingdom, the way we build his kingdom is through serving other people. Through giving of ourselves, through giving of our time, through giving of our talents, through giving of our money, through giving of ourselves to them. We have to learn to serve. Do we understand that the creator of the universe, the Logos, the word of God, do we realize that he's the one that washed the disciples' feet? In our world, we should be watching the master's feet, right? Isn't that the way fairy tales work? Fairy tales work where the king, everybody serves the king. What scripture says, the king came to be a servant. And if we're going to reign with it, and we like, the, a lot of folks like attention. A lot of folks are good at building crowds because they're building crowds around themselves. But I have this crazy idea. And I know I'm not the brightest crayon in the box, and I, I, I realize that, but I have this crazy idea that as our group of people at Old New Hope, we love each other, and we serve each other, and we take care of each other, from the pastor standing up, if I ever get to design a church building, by the way, 
I'm going to design it where the preacher's down in a hole and all y'all are way up there and the preacher can stay way down here. But I just believe if everybody from the preacher all the way to the every person, last person on the back rows, if we all serve each other and we help each other and we put each other's needs above our needs, and then watch this. We go out these doors into our world and into our community and serve them. Not about what we need. What, what, what does our community need? And we invite them to Jesus. Don't necessarily invite them to great music or great speaker. But what if we live like Jesus with each other? went out to our community, served them like Jesus served, and then say, why don't you come to church where we're going to open God's word and hear some words from Jesus. I have this crazy notion this church will grow. Because I believe people that are calling, I believe that, are hearts, that there are hearts out here looking for Jesus. And what we have done as churches far too many times is we have tried to cater to the consumer rather than preach Jesus. Amen. We want to reign without serving. If we're going to reign with Jesus, we have to share in his suffering. If we're going to reign with Jesus, we have to serve others. If we're going to reign with Jesus... We have to be willing to give our life. When's the last time a parent or a grandparent prayed that Jesus would just use their child's life for his glory? We dream that our children and grandchildren will get a good education and find them a good spouse that will love them and be good to them and get them a good job so... They can be comfortable. And what if we just prayed, Lord, I pray my child or grandchild will, lose, will live a life for your glory. Because y'all, when it's over, that's all that matters. Somebody put on my Facebook page, there's a like 0.02% chance your child might be a professional athlete. There's a 100% chance your child will face God in judgment. <coughs> How are we preparing our kids and our grandkids? But you know what? Our kids see what we can tell them about Jesus. Are we giving our lives? Have we given our life to Jesus? Jesus tells them back in our text in Matthew 20. He says in verse 22, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. What he tells them is, you know what? You guys will give your lives. James, the brother of John, was the first apostle to be martyred. That's in Acts chapter 12, verse 2. Look over there right quick. Acts 12, verse 2. Luke is very 
concise when he <coughs> reports about the death of James. Not much ink is given at all. Acts chapter 12 and verse 2. It basically says that Herod killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James died for the Lord. John, on the other hand, lived a very long life. John was the only one of the original 11 of the 12. We know Judas <coughs> hung himself. But the other 11 died, or 10 of the other 11 died martyrs' deaths. Very strong <coughs> secular history tells us about that. John... They tried to kill him. Uh, they put him in a pot of boiling oil. The problem was he wouldn't die. And the reports of that day says that John was unharmed, kind of like the fiery, the, the boys in the fiery furnace. So they sent John to a desert isle. And it wasn't St. Thomas. It wasn't uh, Aruba. It wasn't some wonderful tropical island he was exiled to. He was exiled to the salt mines of Patmos. He was probably close to 90 years old when he did that. So could you imagine being 90 years old working in a salt mine? That, that's not an easy life. They end up, ended up, these men ended up giving their lives for their master. They lost their lives. But they followed their master right into eternity. We want so much for our kids. Can I tell you that everything you want for your kids, Jesus wants better? Anything you can imagine giving your kids or your grandkids, it all belongs to God anyway. God always gives back better. Remember in Acts 3 when the guy that, the crippled guy sees Peter and John coming into the temple and he asks them for money and Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. That man wanted alms and he got legs. Amen? Amen. God gives better. The best prayer we can pray for our children and for ourselves is for the glory of God to be seen by our life. And a life spent in God's glory takes many different paths. It goes down many different roads. But every one of those paths and every one of those roads leads to an eternity with Jesus. Old John who was exiled in the Isle of Patmos. One Lord's Day, one Sunday, he got in the Spirit. And uh, God gave him, and I hate to use the word, but it's exactly what he gave him, a revelation. And he basically unfolded the end of human history to John. And part of that revelation was to see the new heavens and the new earth. And the apostles are going to make an appearance here. Look in Revelation 21. 
starting at verse 9. Revelation 21, verse 9, then I'm going to quit. Then one of the seven angels, who was the seven bowls, filled with the seven last plagues, came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a, twelve, a great and a high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates and names written on them all. Which are the twelve, which are the names of the twelve tribes of Israel? Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now, on the wall of the city, it had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. You know what? Those apostles' names are written in heaven. Are yours? Or is yours? Are you truly following Jesus? In an age of self-autonomy, the gospel calls us to live a life of self-denial. Don't pursue your life, finding glory for yourselves. Mothers, grandmothers, fathers, grandfathers, don't teach your children to pursue their glory. Pursue God's glory. Pursue Jesus' glory. Suffering with Christ is eternally better than ruling on earth. And spending eternity without Christ. I know I've lived a good life. You know you've lived a good life. You know your child has lived a good life. If we could all say, when Christ is glorified, I'm satisfied. What satisfies you? What are you living for? What are you giving your life for? We're all living for something. For some folks, it's the next moment of pleasure. For some folks, it's making the next buck. For some guys, it's finding the next wife. Somebody asked one well-known entertainer, what do you do with your life? He says, I'm trying to find my next ex-wife. That's the way some folks spend their life. My next house. My next boat. My next fish. My next deer. My next garden. We could go on all day. I'm not. I'm going to quit. I promise. Y'all, if you're next... How do you fill in that blank? Is it kingdom related? <clears throat> Ultimately, it's not worth 
the effort you're putting into it. Because when eternity comes, it's going to be burned up. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for recording for us the prayer of this mother. Father, so many of us make prayers that are self-seeking. I just pray you would examine our hearts. You know our hearts far better than we do. You know the end of our life before we were ever born. I pray you would create in us new hearts. If there's someone here today who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray your Holy Spirit would convict them. Father, I pray that those here who are Christ followers, I pray your Holy Spirit would examine their hearts as well to show us all what's lacking in our lives to put us in the center of your will. And I pray you give us the conviction to respond to the Holy Spirit's invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.